You're listening to the No Life Skills Podcast with your host, Ashlyn. My advice for other sex workers, don't do what I did. Giving you an inside look at the fascinating world of sex work. Yeah, a little bit awkward, but uh, informational, I guess. Connect with other professionals and allies of the industry. I was like, wow, this is easy money. Now, join the conversation while we share inspiring stories on the No Life Skills Podcast. everybody welcome to another episode of no life skills i'm ashlyn and this week cougar nikki joins me again for part two if you haven't listened to last week's episode make sure you check that out before starting this one in the first episode nikki shared her story about being trafficked across canada when she was 15 years old and in part two she talks about entering the industry later in life at a massage parlor out of desperation and also shares her past struggles with addiction we also talk about the argument for decriminalization versus legalization of sex work in canada also the differences between sex work and sex trafficking and a lot more this is a really eye-opening episode i hope everybody enjoys it and if you're listening on apple Podcasts, make sure you give me five stars make sure you're subscribed Thank you so much for everybody's support. I really appreciate it. And let's get into the episode. So at this point in your life, you are choosing sex work. You're like hand jobs in a hot tub. All right. Hand jobs in a hot. Yes. Yep. And I still remember my first client there, too. Tell us about him. His name was James. Of course. Uh, (laughs) He was extremely hairy. Um, and he wanted a boob job in the hot tub. And I will never forget, like, I'll never forget him. And it's funny because he has come to see me over the years. And I'm like, I look at him and I'm like, you were my first client. He's like, Lee. And I'm like, yeah, don't you remember? Don't you remember giving me $40? Like, <laughs> so exciting. Like, oh <laughs> you know, like oh. Still to this day, I still see several, uh, like, actually, there's a couple of clients that I used to see on track that I still see. They're old, but I still see them. Like, that's insane. Like that one client I've been seeing for 26 years. It's like, what the fuck? But whatever. But yeah, wow. so I ended up getting back into the massage parlors and I developed and I lacked the coping skills. Like I, you got to remember, I never had any therapy at all. So was going back into the industry like re-traumatizing, even though it was your own choice at this point. Well, you kind of went into the industry out of desperation again, it sounds like, right? So it wasn't, yeah, survival. So it wasn't totally a choice necessarily. It was, it was my only choice, right? Mm -hmm. In order to not be evicted. Yeah. yeah, So I, that's what I did. So that's still a dangerous situation. Correct. And I, I was young. I lacked the coping skills to be a sex worker. It is very important that as a sex worker, when you come out of those gates and you're young, that you have proper, healthy coping skills. Very important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I didn't have those. Uh, like, I didn't get any therapy for my, um, my trafficking. I wasn't ready. They tried to push therapy on me. I was shut down. Did you think that you didn't need help? Like, yes. it was too scary. It was too hard, right? It was too hard for me. I didn't want to. And you got to remember that back then sexual exploitation wasn't a thing. I was a rebellious youth. Mm, So trafficking wasn't even a thing. Basically it was still the victim blaming mentality, right? You thought if you were going to go to therapy, they would just think it was your fault. And they probably would have, they probably would have said something fucked up like that to say that it was my fault because back then trafficking wasn't talked about at all. Like it really wasn't talked about. So in parlors, I developed a crazy crack addiction, which I gave up. Had you done crack before? Just, or just cocaine? Just cocaine. But I was eating, breathing, sleeping cocaine. It was, oh, it was disgusting. But um, I ended up with a really bad crack addiction in, in the parlors. And I have major cocaine psychosis, like I have major brain brain damage from that time in my life. Like not in my everyday life, but like when it comes, like if I do hard drugs or stuff, like there's something that goes on with me. So yeah, like the coping skills thing, right? So for about six years, I was addicted to crack. And during that time, were you only working in that parlor? No, I worked in that parlor, (laughs) prostitution boot camp, I like to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, it, Lots of rules, very controlling. Um, Yeah, you told me this earlier. So give some examples. um, Okay, so well, (laughs) You, 
there's no full service. It's only hand jobs and blow jobs. Um, they run around quoting 40 and 80 all day long to this day. Like in 2021, it is 40 and 80. Um, obviously, men will pay more. You're not allowed to bring your money into session because often they will ask you to see your money because they want to make sure that you're not overcharging the customers. So you're supposed to leave all your money in, in the locker. You get charged $10 for a session fee. The client also gets charged $80 for that same session. So he's double charging for that room. <laughs> if you don't show up for shift, you're fined. If you don't show up for shift with your makeup on, you're fined. If you, um, if you come out of your session early, you're fined. Um, I was telling Ashlyn, you know, I, I take positives from all my negative situations. So the, the positives I took from that were I'm really good at giving my clients their time. <laughs> She won't kick you out if you come in two seconds, is what she's saying. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Um, I'm very, you know, like, it was all about customer service there. So service came before before provider, and that's why they say it's service provider, right? So, but when you're in training, like, they get out of the tub and we're drying them on our hands and knees, okay? That is how I was trained in this business after being, like, becoming consensual. So then after, I was there for about a year, and I... Um, at this time, I lost custody of my son. My son, I, I gave custody away. I gave him to his father. His father had a nine to five job. I was working in bars, working in a massage parlor. I never saw my son. So, and then as soon as that happened, I dove right down into drugs and alcohol. And for the next six, seven years, I was addicted heavily. Mm-hmm. And so were you back on the track during that time or were you working out of hotels? I was working in massage parlors. And then when I developed my crystal meth addiction, I think I thought I was God. And I um, would work in the massage parlor all day and night until 11 p.m. And then I'd go and work track until three in the morning, four in the morning. I'd make more on track from 11 to three than I would in the whole massage parlor all day. How much would you make at the massage parlor during the day? Mm, six to eight. And then I'd make about a thousand on track of Winnipeg. And so, how much of this money was supporting your crystal meth addiction? Most well, crystal, of it. Crystal meth is very cheap, yeah. right? So, yeah. um, I was actually paying my bills, and okay. I was actually okay. doing not too bad. But I hid my addiction from everybody, so I also ate and I functioned like a normal person. So I wasn't like a normal meth head where you become really thin and uh, frail. And I, I was hiding it from everybody. So I ate like a pig, still on meth, and mm-hmm. but I quit. I ended up pregnant. I ended up getting pregnant with my 15-year-old daughter, and uh, she changed my life. So that's when you quit, when you found out you were pregnant. Yes. And then you just cold turkey got off? Everything. Got off everything. Just cold turkey. Yep. Got off everything. Wow. That's incredible. And now it's been like 17 years, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 17 years. Wow. Well, congratulations. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. And then, so this, did you take a break from working in the sex industry? I did. When my daughter, when I got pregnant with my daughter. I joined TERF again because they had a youth TERF and an adult TERF. So I joined adult TERF. At this time, um, this was 2005-ish, around 2004, 2005. At this time, Manitoba part of the Manitoba strategy was to educate experiential women and trans and men who had lived lives in the sex trade, gang-affiliated, drug addictions, what have you. Just that you were experiential. They they noticed, they recognized that experiential people would work well in the child and youth care field with child, with children in care. Mm-hmm. I was part of the pilot project the first year. I was part of their first year pilot project. I was still working. They didn't know that, but I was still working. I was still So was dabbling. that a no-no? Yes, it was. Okay. Like even to this day, you're not allowed. Like, but we were the pilot project. So they let a lot of our stuff slide because it was the pilot project, right? Um, out of 30 girls, five of us graduated. I was one of them. I graduated with honors. Very proud of myself. Yes. It was uh, an Aboriginal-based program through uh, Nidinaway. I'm white. So um, it was interesting, to say the least, but it, it was good. And that was part of their strategy because they, they wanted to educate and give us skills other than sucking cock, I suppose. So you're saying you have more life skills now than just sucking cock. I do. <laughs> I think I you have do. a lot of life skills. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, then I straightened out and, you know, in this time I was in a very unhealthy relationship for 15, 14 years. I was in that unhealthy relationship and I ended up leaving that unhealthy relationship. Then I was fostering. Um, I fostered for about 
five years, six years I fostered. In that time, I developed the Home Project, which is a safe house for sexually exploited youth. In that time, I also became very um, on top of what's going on in Winnipeg with activism. There's SWAC in Winnipeg that I like to be a part of. What is that? Um, it's it's a sex workers um, coalition for uh, to for decriminalization. Mm. It's we're trying to decriminalize sex mm-hmm. work, like a lot of other other things. So, if someone's they people might be confused. What is the difference between decriminalization and legalization? Because um, a lot of people who aren't educated on the subject think that legalization is what we want. But what's the difference? Well, legalization actually gives the government and pimps way too much control. Um, when you legalize prostitution, it it makes it really difficult to get licensed. The licenses are expensive. Like everything's just becomes more expensive. So if you look at sex workers and if you look at my story in particular, I got into sex work because why? Because like consensually, because I needed money to support my child. So if there's all these barricades and put in place for us that we cannot afford to become a legalized sex worker, then we're just going to do it illegally anyway. This actually used to be the case in Edmonton because the licenses in Edmonton used to be about like $250, $300 to get licensed. And so when women would come into the industry at the massage parlors in particular, they had no money. Um, the place I worked, the boss would actually front them the money to get licensed first because like these, and that's like the barrier that people have. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, even to work in a safe, safer environment like a massage parlor, there's women that can't afford that 200, 300 bucks. Nope. And then they realized, oh, well, the city of Edmonton's living off the avails of prostitution technically by <laughs> charging for licenses. So nowadays the licenses are actually free. But yeah, it's just it's a it's a barrier. It, it makes no sense. The whole law doesn't make sense. Like, you know, decriminalize sex work on our side. Nobody's allowed to make money off us except for the government. Hmm. Except the government. They're the only ones allowed to make money off us. And I I just don't agree with it. Just like, you know, when the Serb thing came along and you saw all the Twitter posts and the rage and people being like, well, if you did your taxes, you'd get Serb. It's like, yeah, but there's some women that are so hellbent of not doing their taxes because why should I? Where are my labor laws? Where are my rights as a freaking sex worker? There is none. We have nothing. There's nothing for us. So why again do I have to pay taxes on my money? But yeah, that's, you know, there's, there's so much back and forth on that, right? Because there is a lot of people that just refuse. So what's the argument for people who are like, well, it should be legalized and they should pay taxes. I see that online a lot. Well, you know, like if it was decriminalized and stuff like that, and there was all these resources and, and our taxpayer paying money was going into, into helping sex workers and into programs for sex workers and into programs for clients and into all that, Mm -hmm. then maybe women would have no problem doing that. (laughs) But because the government wants to control us and wants to control women as like, because, you know, I could be, I could go on Tinder right now and I can, I can screw every single Tom, Dick, Harry for free and nobody bats an eye, but hell, heaven forbid if I get paid $5. God forbid. You know, no one freaks out about having a lot of sex for free. Well, uh, if you're religious, maybe, uh, just kidding. But, but, but even, yeah, and then people want to get paid for it. It's like, oh, can't do that. You're selling your body. Guess what? I sold my body in straight jobs. It's just Mm -hmm. to keep women barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Like, that's, that's, I, I really believe that. As I, you know, I helped run massage parlors I, even as the most addicted crackhead in Winnipeg, I was still trusted to run massage parlors. Isn't that crazy? Like, so crazy. So you're a good crackhead. I was an honest crackhead. (laughs) Right? I know. I know. I know. Jessica could tell you guys all about my crack days. (laughs) Nowadays, who do you think is the most at risk of becoming a victim of human trafficking? In your experience, any marginalized woman, really, you know, I find, like I said, I find the pimps to be a lot of the pimps to be drug dealers now. Right. You know, you they they find out you work. They mm-hmm. find find out you're addicted to a substance. Fuck. Oh, man, I've had drug dealers try and pimp me out, too, because one, one of my girlfriends, I'm not friends with her anymore, used to be, date a drug dealer. And then he brought around this other guy who was a drug dealer. And he's like, oh, you should work for me. And I'm like, first of all, I don't really do drugs. Not anymore, at least. And back then, yeah, maybe a little bit. But anyways, and then um, 
I don't want to push drugs onto my clients. That's what they wanted me to do. This, this old drug dealer's like, oh yeah, just sell to your clients. I'm like, my clients don't do drugs. Like I'm just, no offense to anyone who parties with their clients. That's just not my clientele. I'm just like, the hell? So yeah. And then I knew another drug dealer who was a pimp as well. So yeah. Oh yeah, it happens. Well, that's what a lot of, a lot of touring girls do is they bring cocaine with them on tour because a lot of the remote communities that they're going to don't have any drugs. So that's why if you've noticed a lot of people reach out to you and they're like, do you party or can you get me drugs? Oh, all the time. All the time. Especially because you yeah. sell it. And, well, I know. And um, especially when you're in smaller places or areas that guys travel to from out of town for work, mm-hmm. like for example, Northern Alberta, for example, mm-hmm. Grand Prairie, Fort St. John, those places, yeah. if they're not from there, these guys don't know where to get blow any either. So yeah. they're texting all these girls. And if you look on the ads, it'll say, yep, party, party friendly, party treats available. Party, that, yeah. that means they have drugs or they'll sell you drugs or correct. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're doubling their money really, you know, like I, I don't, I don't knock anybody's hustle. If they, if they have to do that, they have to do that. That's, that's Mm -hmm. totally up to them. I don't personally do that. Like I don't party at at all. Um, I find that it's just not safe, (laughs) right? Like, you know, you, you get messed up. I like to know what's going on at all times. And I think that has a lot to do with my past is like, I need to know what's going on, when it's happening, how it's happening. I need details. Will you see people who are partying, even though you're not partaking? Like if the guy, if you show up and the guy has a bunch of cocaine on the table. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> uh, so here's my thing with, with drugs. I don't mind them doing drugs, mm-hmm. but I don't like limp dicks. Mm-hmm. I don't like limp dick in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't like limp but dick in my like pussy. I don't like limp dick anywhere <laughs> near me. So like, I like it hard and I like it in my mouth and I like it hard, and you know, guys, unless they're having like, unless they're older and they have erectile dysfunction, I can work with that. Yeah. Guys on blow who they got limb dick and they think they're going to be Superman anytime now. Like they think their dick's going to get hard and it's just not, but they want to keep trying because they're yeah. all fucked up. Correct. You know, and it <laughs> just makes it very difficult for all of us. And um, so one of the last experiences I had every time I'm with crackheads, Sorry, I'm sorry if you smoke crack and I've just referred to you as a crackhead, but every time I go and see crackheads, it's always a nightmare. The last crackhead I spent time with in Vancouver, he ripped me off. Literally. Of he got had to buy crack after. Literally, like <laughs> literally owes me a thousand dollars to this day. I'm not gonna tell you his name, but he does. And I never posted his shit all over the place. I'm just not, it's just not my style. Then there's the other man from Edmonton here. He actually the funniest thing. He texted me two days ago, the day I got here. He's like, hey, I really want to see you. And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. to myself, buddy, you kept me hostage in your hotel room for four hours while you smoked crack like, and wouldn't pay me. What makes you think that I'm going to come see you? And I'm like, "Mm, you kind of scared me last time. Uh, Has he forgotten? I think so. Because like, I'm like, dude, you're irrational. You're you're erratic. Like, I'm I'm not coming. Like, he sends pictures of himself. By the way, ladies, he now wears glasses. I got to find his phone number. Because he changed his phone number too. Well, that's, yeah, that doesn't sound fun. I don't like to see people that are under the influence because one, it's triggering for me, even though I've been sober for 17 years. Yeah, that's more so what I was wondering. Um, It's triggering. Like, although I have been sober 17 years, it would only take one time, right? For me Mm -hmm. to pick up that pipe and Mm -hmm. I would not see my children again because once I become crack addicted, I, I don't care. I don't care about you. I don't care about my kids. I don't care about um, if I'm being safe. I don't care if I'm going to a gangbang with 15 guys that I don't know. I don't care. All I care about is crack. And I refuse to be put in that situation again. I refuse to wake up broke every morning. Good. Oh. God, it was like so crazy. But, you know, I mean, it takes a strong person. I mean, if you're locked in a room for four hours with someone smoking crack, oh. oof, that's uh, can't, can't be easy. Oh. Man, so what do you say to the people who conflate sex work with sex trafficking? <clears throat> like my father, they think he thinks it's the same thing. <laughs> um, well, I tell them that it's definitely not the same thing. I, um, I wake up every morning with a sense of security and I wake up every morning with a sense of passion and a, and a passion to work and to be kind to others. When I was exploited, I woke up with a sense of fear and a sense of desperation every single day of my life. I was beaten and starved and forced to see, th- see people. I was forced to do gangbangs. I was forced to do these things. These are things that I, he didn't look at me and say, 
oh, you don't want to? Okay. It was, no, no, they're there. It's only going to take half an hour. You'll be fine. You know, it's such a clear difference between trafficking, you know, women in containers being trafficked all around the world. Where's Jesse Foster from Calgary? Where is she? She went to the United States, boyfriend, never to be seen again. You know what I mean? Like, where's Michaela Bali? Where, where is she? Where, where is she? So many missing women. I, I can go on for days. I've had people killed in dumpsters and they don't think that it should be decriminalized so that we can have more safety. Like so many of my friends have been beaten, murdered, found in unspeakable places, just killed, vanished, mm-hmm. vanished. And do the police really care about sex workers that get murdered? Not all the time, because the, at the end of the day, what does the headline say? Oh, sex worker murdered, prostitute murdered. It's not even a person anymore to them. And that happens today. It happens all the time when sex workers are killed. Yeah, no, we're not people. We're not we're not. Why would they waste resources? Why would they waste resources on finding the bodies of missing prostitutes or, or you know, who did it to them? Like, they just, they don't. They don't really care, unfortunately. For, for me, when I think about that, I think about the video games, Grand Theft Auto, mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. you know, you could go and pick up a sex worker and you could do whatever you wanted to her. And what was that teaching our youth? Literally. Yeah. Like, some guy I met off Tinder or whatever, Bumble, a while ago, he's, I was like, what do you know about hookers and he's like well i just know them from grand theft auto and that's how so many people view sex workers as just like grand theft auto right and like it's society and stigma that puts us at risk if there was no stigma in society stigmatizing us as drug addicts and this and that you know people wouldn't look so down on us we are the most looked down profession we are we are even looked down more than murderers and pedophiles prostitutes Mm -hmm. are like lower. What do you think can be done to break down that stigma? I've been trying to break down that stigma for my whole life, Mm -hmm. my whole life. You know, (laughs) I'm not ashamed of what I do. Um, Society makes me ashamed of what I do. I, I show my face. Um, I use my real name. My real name is Nicole. I don't hide from anybody. And I find it very sad that women have to, that we as women you know, if, if we want any time, I hear women say it all the time. If you want any type of future in your life, you need to hide your face. Why? Why do I need to hide my face? Why is it so disgusting, so deplorable to, to be giving someone an orgasm? I agree. And it's not. And I think times are changing, especially with like OnlyFans blowing up online content creation like that. There's so many people with their face on the internet, with their tits out now. Like, uh, legalize wait, orgasms. Okay? Yeah. Legalize orgasms and wait 20 years. Everyone's going to have their, their tits. Orgasms. Yes. Decriminalize <laughs> orgasms. I think, uh, you know, you, you need to like this. It's 2021. There's Tinder apps. There's dating apps all over the place. I can go anywhere I want and get banged for free right now. And that's fine. And that's mm-hmm. fine. But heaven forbid if anybody wants to pay us. And then I get banned from these, these apps because they don't want prostitutes using their apps, even though I wasn't trying to find clients. Like the I'm whole trying to date. Yeah, you know, we do dates. Yeah. Yeah. Like, God forbid, I, I, God forbid I would like companionship outside of someone paying me. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I've been doing this a really long time and, you know, often touring around, you get lonely, man. Men got to remember that you guys leave. It's a very isolating You leave. You leave to go back home to your wives. You leave to go back home to your children. You leave us. You guys think that we have all this sex and we must not be lonely because we have all this sex. Yeah, but it's not the same when someone's paying you. Sorry, guys, it's not. We're left and you you sit there and you're like, God, this is a really lonely existence at times. Because oftentimes you're on the road traveling by yourself. At the end of the night, you're all by yourself. You're for weeks on end only only seeing clients. Yeah, we got piles of money, but like (laughs) it's it's hard. And I know a lot of women in the business go through that. And that's, you know, it's important to have community and meet other girls in other cities. Like that's what I try and do at least or else I go fucking crazy. I go off the deep end if I'm only interacting with clients. Or, or we like. Okay, so why do you think some women choose to work with pimps? Because that happens. I can't really speak for all women, but I'm going to speak for myself. I w- worked for a pimp because I was young. I didn't know any better. I was uneducated. But he like captured you. Absolutely. You and manipulated me, yeah. right? Yeah. Held my family over my head. Nowadays, I think that women, I think it might be just the same. Romeo pimps claiming that they love them. If you're with a man who doesn't work. You should kick him to the curb. If you're with a man who honestly does not have a job and 
and he relies on you to support him and to pay for everything. And he doesn't look like he's getting off his ass to get a job. You're being pimped. Yeah. And I think in other instances like this one guy, I know he used to pimp out his girlfriends. Great, cute. But even after they broke up, they went their separate ways. These girls that he used to pimp would still text him because they didn't even know how to post their own ads. Yeah. I think they just people just don't even know how to work independently. They think that they need a pimp to make money and to be successful. When I came back to the business, I, I guess, got pimped again. Right. Because when I came back just this time, because I was not computer like, well, you know, (laughs) I'm not the pimp. I'm not. (laughs) Ashlyn, Ashlyn actually does most of my, um, actually all of my calf perb, my website. She does all of my stuff because I, I need to, I need to really badly go take a computer course. But, um, so, oh yeah, because I didn't know anything about Mm. online. Like Mm. I didn't, I, what the, I actually went back to prostitution boot camp for six months. Yes, I did. I went back to executive bath for six months. They had me working in their bar and working at their massage parlor. It was a nightmare. Because I think when women come back into the industry or or don't know anything or they're brand new, um, a lot of times what I hear is they know somebody in the industry already that will help them along. So I guess if you don't know anybody, like not another woman friend. So so you got pimped out again. So So where'd this pimp come from? Prostitution boot camp. And then I Um, one of my, she's, she's one of my friends. She owns an escort agency out in Regina. And so I was, I went back and I was giving 40% of my money away. So with that came upselling. I was an upseller for the first um, year that I came back to the business. I was being sold on fake pictures. I was being sold as a yoga instructor sometimes. And yeah, you know, like the girl, like I don't knock her hustle. This is the way she hustles. You know, she, uh, she's just, the upseller girl, like she'll, you know, that's, it's 200 and then, and then she ups it. That's like how things were back in the day. Yeah, Think, that's not, school. it's, it's old school yeah. Mentality, yeah. And p- nowadays people don't like when you do that. Girls that do yeah. that get slammed on review yeah. boards. Yeah, they do, but they just change their pictures. Oh yeah. So that's what she does. And that's what she expected me to do. So I was a shitty upseller. I'm not going to lie. I'm not that girl. An example. Um, okay. So you <laughs> would walk in, well, I'd get you naked. Are you naked? I'd get, I'd take your $200 for the half hour. I'd get you naked. And I'd say that's for a hand job, but I already had the $200. Yeah, yeah. And then they'd be like, well, what do you mean? Well, you said it was complete service. Hand job is complete service, sir. So, so first of all, I'm being sold on fake pictures. Now I'm upselling. I, it was just so a no- very... Did anyone want to see you again after that? No. Yeah, like you don't get repeat business no. doing that shit. Mm-mm. And I still go to Regina. Yeah, and do did the pictures even look like you? No. Not even close? Not even close. Do you make more money now just using real pictures and not upselling? Well, she had like 20 ads on Backpage at the time, so and it was only me and her. <laughs> That's the other game. So, you know, and she yeah. had me working till 6 a.m. Like, I don't work nights. I don't know yeah, if anybody yeah. noticed, but I do not work nights. I use my real pictures. Mm-hmm. I yes. put my face all over the place. I still do well in Regina, but like it was, you know, I still talk to the girl. Like we're still friends. It's just, I just, it, it just didn't work for me. Like that, that type of work, it just doesn't work. So for me you way. knew that she was your pimp taking 40%. Well, yeah, she was, she but was, she is your friend. Yeah. We, we won't call her the pimp. She was okay. an escort agency, an agency. Oh woman, right? yeah. She yeah. An agency. We've heard so many about so much about these agencies on this but podcast. Like I said earlier <laughs> in my, in, in this broadcast, mm-hmm. I, our podcast, I said earlier that agency owners, massage parlor owners, you know, if they don't have your best interest at heart, if they send you on calls with multiple people there and they don't care about your safety, if you look at a massage parlor owner and you say, you know what? I think I want to do this with my life and I want to go back to school and they tell you that you're crazy, that you should just stay sucking cock, then they're, they don't have your best interest at heart either. Um, and there's a lot of those ones here in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to be careful. They're all, often wolves in sheep's clothing. And I think that's what people don't realize. Even in Edmonton, the they owners, they don't. And heart, man. No, like I, I won't even go into it. I don't want to get sued. But like just horrible things about studios, not places that I've worked necessarily. I don't personally but. know any of the owners here, but I have heard stories. And I, you know, I'm not bashing anybody. They got to do what they got to do. But I personally, I'm not into running girls. Like, for instance, I have an in-call apartment. I have let other girls come and work at my in-call apartment. I, if I were to let touring providers come and work at my in-call apartment, I would charge them $100 a day. 
right? Obviously. standard. But when I have girls, like when I had girls from Winnipeg working at my in-call apartment, me and Jessica go halfers on our in-call. But if I say, if I had a third person come in, I would have that girl pay $20 a client until she got to a third of the rent. And then Mm -hmm. I cut her off. Mm -hmm. And she's not, I'm not making money off anybody that's living locally in, in Winnipeg. And as for touring providers, I'm never there. So, you know, it, it just, it would just work out. Right. But when it comes to girls coming in, I don't want to make money off anybody. Like I, it's just wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do it. And, you know, I understand agencies do what they got to do, but. Yeah, but they don't got to do it like that, in my opinion. But no. whatever. Uh, what do I know? I'm just a simple woman. No, <laughs> so. they don't. And that's why I said earlier that agencies, agencies are sometimes uh, pretty exploitive now. Right. So they're also the pimps now. I can talk about this woman right now because she's dead. Mm. She passed away um, in January. She was one of the most cutthroat pimps I've ever known in my life. Like agency owner? Mm -hmm. She owned Joanne's Escorts in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba for many, many, many years. This woman was crazy. She like, you know, upsell, upsell, upsell. You had to upsell. If you didn't upsell, you weren't sold. She, you know, to this day, she did not care about ripping off men. You know, she did not care about ripping them off, mm-hmm. making them old pay school. more. Oh, so old school. She passed away. But like, you know, she was responsible for exploiting a lot. <laughs> but she, she's, she's gone now. Yeah. But insane. Like she, you know, to the day she died, she was exploiting women. Every time I came to Regina, hey, girl, want to do some calls for me? She took 50%. So she'd sell you for 200 And if you did minimum, you only got 100 right? What a deal. That's <laughs> wonderful. That's sarcasm. Sarcasm, everybody. I'm, I'm joking. That's horrible. Don't let anyone take your money, okay? Yeah. So what... Anybody taking more than 30% of your money, like when you're working for an agency, is... is there's something up there, right? Like... Oh, yeah. Totally. Anybody taking money... I, I believe anyone taking money from people... Period. You can do this on your own. You don't need an agency. Yeah. And I just, I don't really understand why men even prefer to use agencies when there's so many independent providers and you would just be supporting somebody fully instead of seeing somebody from an agency who's probably being exploited. Maybe not always, but you know, it's just, if you see someone independent, they get all their money. Yeah. Like, you know, like, don't get me wrong. There is some studio owners that, that are good and they are for the women. I agree. There are some, like I could, I, I should name some, but there is some. But then there's some that kill it for everybody, right? Just Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. anything else in life. What are the warning signs that someone is being trafficked? Like, for example, if a client goes to see a girl, what are some warning signs? Because I would assume that most men do not want to support human trafficking. Well, the woman being very jittery, being very um, quiet, bruises on her body. If she's got bruises on her face, that is a huge, huge, huge red flag. You know, women do it a lot for safety, checking in, checking out even though that can be a safety thing for women, but that could also mean that she's got a pimp, right? There's lots, there's lots of things. Where you're going, even, even as simple as where you're going, look at your surroundings, look at what's around you. Like when you're going to a hotel, look outside of that motel, look for the pimps. They'll be in the cars. Another example is sometimes a scam It'll be like, you get in there, you get naked, she takes your money and then she gets a phone call and it's like, oh, my boyfriend's coming back. That's not her boyfriend. Yeah. Or I got to go give my driver my money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shit like that. That's that's also big red, red flags, right? Or another one is when the girl is not running her own phone. So you get there and you think that you've agreed upon certain services or this and that. And then you realize you were not talking to this person. Nope. And she's got no idea who you are, what you're talking about. Yeah, because her man was answering the phone. Just like um, in Winnipeg, that prostitution boot camp that I was talking about, they put an ad in the paper or they put an ad online recruiting front desk staff, but he would never hire a front desk staff off the street. He hires girls that have been there a long time to run the front desk. So when you get there for your receptionist job, he tells you how much more money you can make sucking dick. Oh, And that's how a lot of the girls in Winnipeg get started. And that's manipulating Mm -hmm. all on its own. That's Mm -hmm. exploitation Mm -hmm. all on its own, Mm -hmm. you know, because they know that the girl needs money. She's looking for a job. Oh, well, you can make so much more money back here. And all you have to do is hand jobs. 
all you have to do. We'll train you. Look, you make all this money. Look how pretty our girls are. All that shit, right? Like, it's all this pimp mentality. Do you know? It doesn't matter what age you are either to get pimped, mm-hmm. eh? Yep, yep. I have actively um, a trafficker trying to pimp me in Vancouver. He's been trying to pimp me for a year and a half. So how do you know? Didn't <laughs> uh, because uh, Is he a client? My choices are I can date him. Oh, I can either date him or he's pimping me. That's very romantic. Choices, that's right? but wow. Like, that's just giving you an idea that like, it doesn't matter how old I am. You know, I'm in my forties and like this guy is still telling me how he's going to buy me nice things and we're going to do all this stuff together and he's going to take me traveling and come on, baby, I can make you 40 grand in a week. I'm like, that's, I'd be tired making that much money right? in a week. No, thank you. That's too many, too many blowjobs for me. That doesn't even sound good. So, Aaron oh, does he think that this is going to work for you? Like, uh, uh, well, you know, no, <laughs> um, I've never met him. Like oh, I've never okay. gone to meet him. Oh, okay, like he okay. always, he's always like, when are you coming to Vancouver ETA? And it's like, it's like, if anybody looks at you, I'll kill them. Yeah, okay. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, who are you? And, and it doesn't, I can block him all day long. He'll just download more text apps. Right. Mm. So I just, I don't even bother blocking them anymore. I just kind of like, yep. Why don't you go look at my website? <laughs> you know, like, what do you say? Like, cause I don't want to anger. I don't like to anger people. So mm. it's, yeah, it is weird. Like our, our world is weird, right? This, oh. this, our, our whole, um, what we deal with on a daily basis is weird, but I just wanted to bring that to light because mm. it's, I'm, I'm in my forties. You're still trying to traffic me. Because you look good. Hello. They don't want just any 40-year-old. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 40 is young. You're, everyone's beautiful. <laughs> I've even had guys, when I worked at the studio, come in. And I remember, it, uh, ooh, my cat just came oh, to say hello, finally. And some guy, I hear you, like, he paid me. And then I'm, like, giving him a massage. He turns around. He's like, so you want to work for me? And I was like, ha, 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 no. I like to keep all my money. I was 18. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. But, you know, I don't think he ever came back. I was just like, but, hey, like how did you no. feel? though when 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 he said that to you do you know what I mean like Uh, what if you weren't in the in the massage parlor yeah I don't know I don't think that I would ever like fall into that trap because I I read a book about escorting and did a lot of research before I started Mm because I'm a nerd and so I don't know I kind of knew about the business but yeah if someone like didn't know any better I can absolutely see them falling for that I knew a girl at the studio I worked with who had a, a pimp and she like was on drugs and stuff. And I think the pimp started giving her fentanyl or something. She would nod off during shift. She's like, oh, I'm on T3s and I, for my period. And I was like, I didn't even know anything about drugs at that point, but I knew that wasn't fucking T3s that yeah. would make you nod off and you're wearing sunglasses inside and you're passing out on the couch. Mm, not a good look. Well, it's very sad, actually. I have it's a lot of, sad. I have a lot of um, empathy for her, but yeah, she had a pimp and she was working at the studio. So she's, the money's, or the studio's taking the money and the pimp's taking the money. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. you, like people don't even realize this stuff happens. And that's why I wanted to, talk about it it's happening everywhere sex trafficking is happening anywhere there's a highway anywhere that there's internet like it's it's more common than people think and if you think that doesn't happen in your own city especially edmonton you're sadly mistaken and this is a conversation that i have with men oftentimes they just think they don't want to believe that it's happening nobody does it's horrible and it's sad but oh it's happening it's happening everywhere and um, I did look up statistics before, mm-hmm. and something else that's interesting that people might want to know is in Canada, 93% of sex trafficking victims are actually Canadian citizens. So it's happening with people, citizens of our own country. It's not people from overseas. You know, it's right. it's right here. Also, and only 81% of persons accused of human trafficking since 2009 have been men. So that means one in five human traffickers are women, actually. Mm-hmm. So that's another interesting statistic. And 45% of all victims, uh, police reported human trafficking, were between the ages of 18 and 24. 28% were under the age of 18, and 26% were 25 or older. So anybody of any age, about a third of victims are underage. And there is actually a documentary released about six years in Edmonton now. I only know this because I was featured on the documentary about underage prostitution. Was that you? That was they. No, well, it wasn't me. Like, I, I know which, which but my pictures about. were there. So if anyone's interested in learning more about this in Edmonton, it's called uh, The Fifth Estate Too Young to Lose. And I've talked about this before on the podcast, but yeah, they, I was 18 at the time, my ads. Um, we're saying something like barely legal just turned 18, which was true. And unfortunately, that's what men like. So I was very busy. 
and they were looking at the ads online and picked mine. They showed my ads and my phone number like during every commercial break, you know, they like flashed through all my pictures, all my ads. So I was not the person on like speaking on the documentary, but my pictures were stolen. My ads were stolen and my phone number. So that's interesting. So yeah, if anyone wants to know about that. Oh yeah, I had to get a lawyer and all this shit. CBC like thought I was stupid. The cop on the on the show um, or on the documentary. Like putting your life at risk. Yeah, they had my phone number on there and then people were calling the studio, thought I was underage because you could tell that it was me. I'm just like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, the cop that was on the documentary, he like thought I was stupid, didn't want to help me. I was like, eh, you yeah, know, great. So anyways, that's interesting. So Winnipeg, it is estimated that hundreds of children, youth, adults are victimized in the visible sex trade on the streets of Winnipeg and other cities each year. Most adult sex trade workers report that their victimization began at a very young age, sometimes as young as nine. And average, the average age of sexual exploitation of our youth in Winnipeg is 14. Yes. And it is true because I have worked closely with um, sexually exploited youth. So um, I've seen the horrors on Winnipeg streets um, due to sexual exploitation of kids. So is there anything else you want people to know about sex trafficking, human trafficking? I want people to know that there is a clear distinction and difference between sex trafficking and consensual sex work. Whether you're listening to this as a sex worker or as a civilian person, just because you see us on the internet doesn't mean that we're there forced. A lot of us are single parents. We want the money to have better lives for our kids. A lot of us are uneducated. Uh, so with being uneducated, you know, some of us make a lot of money doing what we do and we have good lives. God forbid you would choose sex work over making minimum wage. God forbid. God forbid. I want to flip burgers, mm -hmm. McDonald's, topless. Just get a real job, Nikki. That's what everyone says. Just know? get a real job. This is a real job. Even in my, oh, how about this? I have a real job. That's true. Like actually, you guys yeah. all know, I, I'm a contractor. Yeah. I, I'm a business owner. I've had to go dives. I, I used to do this six months out of the year and um, the other, or seven months out of the year, the other five months I was packing houses. So, but now COVID, COVID has pushed me so far into having to, do sex work. Like, what if I didn't have sex work? Where would I be right now? Yep. Like, I'm street. so, I am so, so grateful that I have sex work to rely on because if I didn't, I don't know where I'd be right now. It's like riding a bike. You never forget how to suck dick. No. Nope. And like I said, I take, <laughs> I take, neg I take positives out of every negative situation that I've ever been in life. And the, the positive I took from being exploited was that I would never starve. I love that. <laughs> Well, yeah. thank you so much for You're coming so on. I can't like uh, the story is insane. It really like is. I'm I'm kind of at a loss for words. Like, thank you so much for sharing everything and being mm -hmm. so open. And I think I hope this will be a really well received episode. And it's just I, hope so too. I think it will be. But <laughs> oh, man, it's just yeah, I can't even believe it. But I think, yeah, this is really important to talk about and gives a light to the other side of the industry that people don't want to see, don't want to talk yeah. about. You know, they they say to me wow, you're such a strong person to have overcome so much. And, ooh, you know, and it's like, well, I didn't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you can either sink or swim. Yep. yep. I chose to swim. So, Nikki, where can we find you online? Plug yourself, your social media, your website, OnlyFans. Well, at Cougar Nikki, um, OnlyFans forward slash or OnlyFans. Ow! <laughs> yeah, OnlyFans.com <laughs> forward slash Cougar Nikki with a Y. CougarNikki.com. Winnipeg. I tour around. I'm currently in Edmonton for till Saturday. Unfortunately, so. she hates it. <laughs> yeah, not a big fan. Anyways, all of Nikki's information will be in the description of the podcast. And yes, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Okay, so that concludes the episode portion with Nikki. Big thanks to Nikki again for coming on and sharing her story. It's an incredible story, super eye-opening. I hope everybody enjoyed listening to what she had to say. I was at a loss for words, and I just, I really appreciate her coming on here and being so open and vulnerable. It's truly amazing. So thank you, Nikki. And now I do have a couple of questions for the podcast advice with Ashlyn. So one gentleman sent me an email. He says, hi, Ashlyn. As an older guy, I struggle a bit with which SPs I choose to spend time with just based on age. I would love to find a lady born in my decade to show me some new tricks given the limitations of stiff joints and sometimes uncooperative equipment. 
It would also be wonderful to spend time with a beautiful young woman and relive the days of firm bodies and youthful enthusiasm. Just not sure the vigor would show up (laughs) and how enjoyable the experience would be for the young woman, someone in their 20s or 30s. Many providers are in the order of 30 or more years younger than me. I'm 69, even though I usually choose older women. So I have a few questions of you as a gorgeous young provider. How do you feel about spending time with an older man? What limits on age do you have, if any? Can older guys, senior citizens, feel confident that they can enjoy time with such young women without creeping them out or being creeped out themselves? And where are all the senior citizen providers? (laughs) Thank you for your time and effort in fielding questions and producing informative, thought-provoking podcasts. You are wise beyond your years. Well, thank you so much for your nice email. I really appreciate it. Okay, so how do I feel about spending time with older men and do I have age limits? I personally don't mind spending time with older men. I don't have an age limit. Sometimes guys ask me this and I usually just say to them, well, as long as you can get your ass to my in-call or my hotel without a walker, that's probably good. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I've met lots of nice older guys and, you know, even sometimes men email me we're like 50 and ask me if that's too old for me. And, you know, if I put my age limit at 50, I'd be missing out on a lot of clientele. So I personally do not have an age limit. But if I did, I would make that explicitly clear in my advertising and on my website, which I know many other providers do. So just watch out for that when you're looking for providers. Sometimes they do mention it on their ads or websites. And he also asks, can senior citizens feel confident that they enjoy spending time with such young women without creeping them out or being creeped out themselves? Well, (laughs) I think if you're creeped out, maybe go for someone older because why would you see somebody so young if you yourself are going to be creeped out? I think if you're feeling unsure or insecure about the age difference, I don't think it does any harm to simply ask the provider if she is comfortable seeing somebody your age. And, you know, for me, I just want people to show up, wash their dick and be respectful and give me all your money. And it's that simple. And I've had wonderful times with older guys. So for me, it doesn't matter. And he also wants to know, where are all the senior citizen providers? Well, let me tell you, Shannon Sweet, my mom, is absolutely a senior citizen provider. I'm just kidding. She's not that old. But um, I think there is a lot of older providers. I, I don't know where you are located, but there's plenty of women in their mid 40s that I know personally. Um, I even know a provider that's upwards of 60 and still working. So it's definitely out there. I will say that a lot of older providers do advertise their ages younger. So, you know, maybe if someone's advertising as 39, maybe they're 45. And that's that might be a little bit more your speed. That being said, I wouldn't message all the providers that appear to be older and ask them about their real age. You know, I think make your own judgments based on the pictures and stuff and the advertising. but. Yeah, I think there's plenty of older women in the business that would be more than happy to service you. And as for seeing younger providers, I think a lot of younger providers wouldn't have a problem. And if they do, it might be stated on the website or just simply ask them. So thank you so much for your email. That was very sweet. And I hope that was helpful. Okay, I got another very interesting question that I would definitely like to dedicate a full episode to just from all the information I got from other girls about this topic. So the email asks, how can a client know if an escort agency is legit and is not pimping its ladies or mistreating them in any way? Is there a licensing process of any kind for agencies? And if there is, can any agency, good or bad, easily obtain this license? So I've personally never worked for an agency, so I can't speak from my own experience. I do know a little bit about the licensing, and I believe in Edmonton, it's very, very, very easy to get a license to start your own escorting agency. I don't know about other cities other countries, but here in Edmonton, it's just as simple as going to get a body rub license or an escorting license. You simply just need a police clearance and go downtown, get the license, and then anybody can run their own agency. They don't do further screening or vetting. There's nothing to it. It's just as simple as opening up any other business, which anyone can do. And then how can a client know if an escort agency is legit and not pimping its ladies or mistreating them? And I put this question up on Twitter just because I don't have any experience myself working for an agency, but I have spoken to many, many women over the years who have, and especially now after releasing Lula's episode. So if you're interested in hearing her experience, she talks a lot about her her experience working for a very exploitative agency in Calgary. And so I had a lot, a lot of women reach out to me about their experiences. And I would say the overwhelming consensus is that 
agencies are exploitative and I have really not heard anything good about them. I had one person comment on my Twitter post saying they had a positive experience. But other than that, I've just heard bad things, you know, like some common themes were, and this is across many different cities in Canada, agencies not screening their clients, not respecting blacklisted clients. They don't care if the provider doesn't like the client, they will send them anyways. Not respect wishes to not see people who are intoxicated, sending them to those calls anyways. Sending them to residential out calls with zero screening. You also have to pay a huge chunk of your money to the agency, as well as a driver fee that they make you use in most cases. Um, You know, not giving people proper time off. Yeah, basically, what I heard from a lot of people, the agency will give you a false sense of security and just send you into dangerous situations. And yeah, and it's clear to me now that when a lot of people are working for an agency, they don't realize at the time that it's exploitative. It sounds like a lot of women, when they enter the industry, think that an agency is the way to go. And, you know, I used to think that might be the case, but it sounds like they're not always interacting with other women at the agency. So you're kind of on your own. You don't know what's normal, what's not. You're, you know, you're just thrown into things. You you might really need the money. You might have started this work out of desperation. So going on dangerous calls might seem normal to you, but it's not. And it's only after you've left the agency or maybe became independent or started talking to other independent women that you realize these things are not safe and not normal and it is exploitative. And I think anybody who's taking 40, 50% of your money and sending you into dangerous situations with little care for your well-being is exploitative and should be avoided. And, you know, all these questions are coming from people that follow me on Twitter or you know, listen to the podcast. And so you guys know where to find independent providers. If you're listening to this, you know, you don't have to book with an agency. There's so many girls on Twitter, on Leo list, on the review boards that you can book, that you can be pretty certain that they are doing this work of their own free will and they're not working for an agency. And at the end of the day, they're keeping all of their money. So I'm not sure why it's really even an option for guys wanting to book agency girls, you know, or if they know better and they know where to find independent providers. I just don't even think it's worth it. I understand that maybe men who aren't on Twitter aren't familiar with the advertising websites. And when you Google escorts in Toronto or escorts in Edmonton, perhaps these agencies show up on your Google search and they don't know that these are exploitative and they just, you know, want someone to come suck their dick, you know, whatever. But I think it's important to educate clients on these things. Yeah, it's pretty sad, actually, what goes on from everything that I've heard. So and thank you for bringing up this question. And I would absolutely like to speak to more women. I already have some more people coming on the podcast in the future and future weeks to speak about their experiences with agencies. And yeah, so this conversation is to be continued. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. Thanks if you made it this far. Any further questions can be sent to me on Twitter or OnlyFans or email me. And yeah, like I said before, all of Nikki's information will be down below. If you want to follow her, all of my information will be down below. And yeah, see everybody next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Life Skills. Follow Ashlyn on social media at No Life Skill or at Adore Ashlyn. Be sure to like, comment, and hit that subscribe button. We'll see you on the next show.